I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Thank you for listening to the Will Survive Horror Podcast. This is your host, Paul, and I'm here for bonus episode number 18, where Marco and I have somebody from the independent filmmaking world to talk about their movie. But uh, I guess I should properly introduce Marco. What's going on, buddy? Yeah. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> uh, not much. Just kind of uh, getting you up out of bed here this morning, I guess, right? That's uh- it's all good. It's yeah. all good. Well, we like to do all different recording times, afternoons, weekends, mornings. So exactly. Whatever we can do to make it work. Yeah. Uh, so with us tonight is actually is pretty exciting for us. It's uh, mm-hmm. a first time that we have a female filmmaker on with us, and that mm-hmm. is Jen Wexler. How's it going, Jen? Welcome. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, so we had discovered you because of your movie, The Ranger, which you are kind of the writer and director, and I'm sure you probably tackled a few other jobs in the making of the movie as well. Yeah. Um, I'm a, so I'm a co-writer, and then I directed it, and then I'm also one of the five producers, and 
a co-editor of it as well. Very cool. Nice, nice. Yeah, so we had just kind of came across your movie last year trying to keep up with with new releases and I know, you know, yours had kind of been tossed around and and kind of the the more independent circle and and stuff, but did you um did this movie kind of come out to other film festivals and whatever and then just sort of hit the the initial mainstream last year? Yeah, so we world premiered last year at South by Southwest. Okay. And then um we played a bunch of film festivals. Our whole, you know, it's a movie about punks and uh, that go up against this park ranger. And right. so the punk element was really important to us. So we wanted to bring that into our like festival tour. So we kind of, we joked that we like went on the road uh, with our city <laughs> and we like visited like, like every festival that would have, that would have us. We, we had the movie play at and we nice. tried to actually, as many as possible and like meet people there and at a lot of a lot, a lot of festivals like through us like punk shows and stuff which was really cool and then um we had a theatrical release in new york la and san francisco in the fall and actually playing san francisco was awesome because a lot of our soundtrack the bands on our soundtrack are from the bay area so cool. a lot of them were able to come to the screening nice. and um, then we were on uh we were released on like blu-ray and dvd last fall and now we're going to be released to the to the world via Shutter uh, in yeah, May. Yeah, yeah which yeah. will be right around the time that this episode will actually come out. It should be nice. either coming soon or or already available on Shutter. Which I know most of the people that listen to the show probably have Shutter because it's totally worth the five dollars a month or even less. I think. Oh yeah. Pay out longer. Big so. time. Yeah, and that's interesting to to have like. Um, the, the awesome soundtrack that you do have on this movie too to kind of like take it on you know even if it's a uh, on paper a tour um, mm-hmm. where you could go here these bands are playing and then watch the movie after that that would yeah. be a cool promo absolutely yeah. yeah we had one screening in New York where Rotten UK um, mm-hmm. band from Rochester they're actually um, they're in the movie they played the like opening warehouse party scene right. and they came to uh, ifc center in new york and we showed the movie and then they like played songs from the movie. <laughs> that's cool. awesome nice i love that is that uh from rochester in new york yeah oh, yeah nice i i'm actually in buffalo so i'm very familiar with rochester so that's kind of our well, you go yeah <laughs> oh nice nice yeah it's not that far I'll, I'll have to look up and see when they're playing sometime that'd be cool uh, so before you, this was kind of your first, your first feature length, uh, directed movie, right? Yeah. Uh, but before that you had worked on a lot of other features and, and producing. And I know I had heard a little bit about how, I can't remember where it just, I don't know, from reading about you online or something and uh, some other interview that mm-hmm. you had, had been affiliated with the sort of glass eye pictures family for a while. Uh, how did all of that sort of get started for you? Yeah. So, um, it actually kind of started right out of school. I started um, working for a company called Fearnet, which okay. was a, a horror TV channel and website mm-hmm. that was owned by Lionsgate and Sony. And now, sadly, it's no longer. Right. But um, uh, I worked in marketing there, but I was really into I really wanted to learn how to make movies. And so uh, I started making shorts and stuff. And then um, I ended up moving to New York. I, I came across Glass Eye while I was working there. That was like around the time House of the Devil came out. Uh, okay. 
and I became aware of them and I started watching all their movies. I became kind of obsessed. And then I moved to New York and I knew they were in New York and I kind of stalked Larry Fessenden until he <laughs> gave me a job. But then they, it was really cool. He and um, another producer there, Peter Polk, they took me under their wing. They knew I wanted to produce, to learn how to produce and eventually direct. And so they kind of like took me under their wing and taught me everything about making feature films. Yeah. Nice. See, stalking does pay off. Yeah, it does. All you stalkers out there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, sometimes it doesn't too. So you know, it's, it's kind <laughs> well, of a shot in the dark. You roll the dice. Yeah, yeah. You roll the dice. You know. Yeah, you you gotta... know it works. Doesn't. I mean, fifty percent. <laughs> right, right. There you go. Yeah. What's the uh, saying about a got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet? So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you go to prison for a couple of years. I don't even know. <laughs> right. Now, as far as producing on some of the, I know some of the other movies, I think I had seen one or two of the other ones you had done through sort of the same network of people. Uh, what, what exactly does that involve? Like how, how is your job as a producer on something like, uh, I, I think I had seen Like Me and maybe one of the other ones that you were the producer of? Yeah. Um, well, it was really cool because when you're working on indie films in such a like, kind of, you know, in the, in an intimate environment where there's not that many people making the movie, you have a lot of, you're able to get your hands on like every part of it. And sure. uh, I was really hungry to learn and be involved in every part of it. And we didn't have huge budgets. So that meant from a producing perspective, I was doing everything from, you know, being the like best bud to the director, being there emotionally mm -hmm. with the director, helping them like figure out challenges and how to overcome those. And also dealing with the budget and right. the, the schedule and, you know, making sure that our legally we were we were cool and that all of our contracts were signed and dealing with SAG and so doing all the paperwork stuff and the budget stuff and also being in it with the director and kind of being like a shoulder for them or like a person to turn to in mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. hard parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was really cool because I made five I produced I think five features with Glass Eye. Mm -hmm. Um and it really gave me because ultimately I, I really wanted to direct, but it producing really gave me like an education in filmmaking. Oh, um, yeah. It was really cool watching different directors work and getting to see how they took on uh, different situations and um, being in it with them. You know, you, you kind of experience all these things. So when it came time to uh, direct the ranger I really tried to pull from all those experiences and also by then I had like formed a network of people like crew that, that I was oh, sure, really sure. tight with stuff. so I, I definitely like the DP of like me was my DP on the ranger okay. um, and like our gaffer on like me was the gaffer on the ranger so it's it was just kind of like a couple years of building this network of people yeah. uh, our designer uh, Sean Duffy uh, who's based in LA he was the sound designer on Darling Psychopaths Like Me and then the Ranger so it's kind of like you you find your like team and working yeah. it was cool to work with them again that's cool uh what were some of the sort of good experiences like I don't know anything memorable from getting into these movies at the beginning because Obviously, you had a lot of enthusiasm and stuff, so there had to have been some moments where you started making these movies and you were like, wow, I can't believe that that, that just happened or that I'm actually doing this. Or Yeah. So the first movie that I made um, was called Most Beautiful Island, which was directed by Anna Senzio, and it world premiered in 2017 at um, 
South by and ended up winning the grand jury prize, which was okay. very cool. Um, but that was, I was, so I was on set of um, Ty West in a Valley of Violence because uh, Peter, the producer from Glass Eye was producing that. So he invited mm -hmm. me on set and I saw it and I was like, wow, this is so cool. And that kind of like made me decide like, okay, I, I want to get, I want to, produce a feature like I'm going back to New York they shot in New Mexico I'm going back to New York and I'm going to produce my first feature so I came back to New York I met up with Anna she had this awesome movie um and I was totally excited by it aesthetically she wanted to be like this like 70s European art house movie about this girl that just moved to New York City and she doesn't have any money or paper she's from Spain she's an immigrant and then she like gets a job that seems too good to be true so I was and and it is too good to be true and then it goes to, into a horror place of course and I was like this is like such a cool project I'm so inspired from being on set on on in the yeah, Valley of Violence yeah. yeah. um, so we leaped into that together it was really like Anna and I just going to different places like like different delis and and diners and whatever they're trying to find locations all around new york city so it was just us sure. for like days and talk, like knocking on doors and stuff um trying to get people to like work with us for very little money and then like bringing on crew but um it was we ended up shooting on super 16 which was really awesome and crazy for like the first feature that i'm producing to sure. shoot on super 16 um at a time when like the film lab in new york was like shutting down and and film wasn't like uh, an easy thing to oh, yeah, shoot yeah. with so uh but we were super inspired I, I was super inspired by larry fessenden's movie habit um which came out in the mid 90s it's a vampire movie that's also about like alcoholism and addiction sure. uh it's kind of a polaroid picture of the mid 90s um in new york city and uh it's an amazing movie i love it it's I think my favorite Larry Fessenden movie. Um, so we were really inspired by hearing his stories of how he had like gone around New York city with this like gorilla crew of five people. And they like right. shot the whole movie in 40 days, like awesome. a little bit each day, essentially just like shooting around New York. So we kind of took that and applied it, uh, applied that um, outlook to our approach with most beautiful Island, where it really was like a very small crew running around New York Anna is not only the director, but she's also the star of it. So she would just be like moving through the city of people. And our DP, Noah Greenberg, would be like, you know, shooting her and, sure. and focusing on her and everything. So um, that whole experience was like such a cool adventure and really made me feel like, wow, I'm like a New York filmmaker. We're making like a New York mm -hmm. movie. That's oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. That well, makes me want to go to New York. <laughs> I've yeah. never been. So, oh, yeah. my God, come to New York City. Yeah. 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 especially working with like so closely with someone that's the director and also acting in the movie, then I really feel like that gives you a chance to have some extra responsibility. Cause you're almost yeah. like they're like, Hey, while I'm acting, could you stand in and kind of do the part that I can't do? You know? Oh, sure. You're, you're, you're like, like, you know, I have to split your brain, right? You got to look at the actor and directing and, and, and hopefully that uh, you're, you know, conveying what you want on film and then acting. Yeah. It's, that's gotta be tough. That's got to sure. be kind of like draining at the end of the day. Yeah, totally. And, you know, when you're shooting on film, you don't really, you don't have like a oh, mock. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, a, yeah. like in certain scenes, not when we were running around New York City, like exteriors, but like, like in certain interior scenes where we were more settled, we had this like really shitty like video tap SD thing that you could right. kind of see 
it, but it wasn't great. So um, it was, I mean, Noah Greenberg is an amazing DP and a lot of it was like his eye and then his, him and Anna being really clear with each other on what the intention of the scenes were. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll have to check that one out too. I haven't seen that one. And uh, I haven't seen Habit either. I just, I wrote that down that I have to watch that. Yep. Most Beautiful Island is now on Shutter as of April. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so what's, what's sort of your history with horror movies? Do you, something you grew up with that you got interested in later on or anything? Yeah, I think that my first, um, well, well, I've, I've always been into scary stuff since I was a kid. I was like Mm -hmm. that kid that was, you know, like telling her friends to like, let's go hang out in the graveyard after school. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. That's you know play light as a feather stuff as a board a mm-hmm. sleep party and stuff um so i've always been into that um right. i think i first really got into it when i was like six years old and i started watching are you afraid of the dark um in, awesome. on nickelodeon <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh you know then it really hit when i was um like 12 my family moved school moved towns so I went to this whole new school from middle school and I was like super lonely. And so I just started becoming obsessed with horror movies because I kind of just felt I was really inspired by like the final girl. And it's like, wow, the final girl, like all of her friends die and she like all these awful things happen to her. And yet at the end, she still ends up like taking on the killer. I can go survive the next day of school if she can do that. I gotcha. That's <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. I, I, I can relate so much with that, moving to a new city be, and, uh, you know, kind of like not knowing anybody and you just kind of delve into your own hobbies and your own likes that, like, you know, I, like I said, my whole high school year was just consuming horror movies because nobody else would with me. And you mm-hmm. can kind of reinvent yourself a little bit. Absolutely. At least in your mind. You're... Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool because I think some of those, you know, I, I really appreciate my misfit loner years now. Right. Um, because I think it really helped me through horror movies and also mm-hmm. through going to punk shows and stuff, which I also started to do in that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, it really started to help me define myself as like an individual and like mm-hmm. figure myself out a little, little bit before, you know, moving out of that town and going into the next stage of my life in college. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> what, uh, what are some of your favorite movies from the past like do you have anything that you remember watching over and over again or anything i got when i was 12 very into the uh or between the ages of 10 and 13 very into the late 90s teen slasher craze sure sure um, it's appropriate uh, at the time right exactly like scream and i know you did last summer and urban legend and all mm-hmm. those those but if you watch movies at that age they're like those are the movies that you start to like define yourself by in a way oh yeah right. Uh, become obsessed with them and everything so all those definitely the faculty to certain behavior they all have a very special place in my heart but then as I got older as I was you know after I discovered the that world um I started going back and trying to especially with the movie like Scream which is so cool because it has so many references to this movie it it kind of laid out like a map for me of like okay understand this I uh, like let's go back to 80s movies and and uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday 13th. Let's like fill in my knowledge. So then I started right. spending time trying to discover the rest of the history yeah. of horror. 
Um, but anyway, some of my favorites also include, uh, I mean, Suspiria and Rosemary's Baby and Repulsion and The Shining, of course. When I was, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think when I was seven years old, I walked into a room of adults who were all watching The Shining and it was like uh, <laughs> the, the twins were on the screen. Uh-huh. Right. I was like horrified and I was like, <laughs> I never want to see it again ever in my life. Like I remember <laughs> that. And of course, like now it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. So. Did you uh, you uh, prefer the original um, Shining or the TV movie? The original. Did you, uh, thank you. Good yeah. answer. <laughs> Absolutely the I original. I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say they like the TV movie better. No. Maybe someone that's like a, a diehard Stephen King fan that like well, he, that's hates, what it, he hates the original or he hates the original movie. So yeah, because the, <laughs> the TV movie was closer to the novel. It, it's just so yeah, but yeah, the the original is so just iconic. It's awesome. There's, a, there's actually a funny story about that is um i didn't i didn't even know there was a tv movie made about it uh mm-hmm. going back a few years we went to colorado and i was looking up what horror movies were shot in colorado and something <laughs> came up about the shining so we're like oh let's go check out that hotel right and it was the Stanley hotel Hill. that it was inspired by but it wasn't where it was shot at i'm like this doesn't look like the right place from the movie <laughs> and i looked it up on my phone we went all the way there and visited and it was for the tv movie and oh, not yeah. for the the regular movie, and I I was so disappointed. I was yeah. not worth the <laughs> I trip. Fake movie. <laughs> yeah, I spent um three years in a row going to that hotel for the Stanley Film Festival, mm-hmm. uh, now the Overlook Film Festival, and that this I have very fond memories of eating um, weed edibles and <laughs> wandering around <laughs> the halls of the Stanley Hotel. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah, we had a better time like right outside of that area where it's all the mountain trails that you can climb up in every direction from I forget the lake that's at the bottom of it and like it's all in that that little area and we we hiked like way up this mountain and then I smoked a joint up at the t- well not at the top but at the highest we were going to go that day before we turned around and went back down. So. Right, right. <laughs> that's awesome. I always I never got a chance to go hiking around there but that's on my to-do list. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was a bummer. I, not that not that there was anything wrong with the place, but I was just like, oh, this isn't the one from the movie. What the hell? And I looked it you up on my phone. See. Yeah, and I was you like, wanted to see. what the fuck? <laughs> there was a TV movie. I never heard of this. I think yeah. the experience in Oregon, which yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Then I didn't go this year because we were shooting the Ranger when they had it. But Stanley moved to that hotel and did a year there under the Overlook Film Festival. Nice, uh, nice. But sadly, I didn't get to experience it. Uh, so anyways, enough about the shining. Um, (laughs) so well, let's talk about, about your movie. Um, I know you had said that the, the punk influence was kind of uh, a really Mm -hmm. heavy, uh, like a meaningful thing for you to make sure that that came across in the movie, but where did the the story sort of come from with this one? Yeah. So uh, when I was in college, I went to school, um, at the university of the arts in Philadelphia, uh, where I in screenwriting and one of my classmates wrote the ranger as his like senior screenplay and i was always so obsessed with this concept of like these punks that go to the woods and come up upon this like killer park ranger um and it automatically to me even back then was like just brought to mind all these like you know super colorful visuals and you know uh like clashing of punk culture with like vintage Smokey the Bear, Parkland, World. Sure. Um, 
but when we first, when we graduated, uh, my friend Jocko and I, and the rest of our classmates, we were like, oh, we have to get jobs. We have to like figure out how to live. Right. So when we all like went our separate ways and got jobs and everything. And then it wasn't until I started working at Glass Eye Picks, um, maybe six years later that, and I was starting to understand how you, uh, produce a feature Mm -hmm. that I was thinking about what I wanted to direct as my first feature. And I remembered, um, Jocko's script and I called him and I was like, yo, can you like find that old script and can we (laughs) look at it together and can we work on it together and kind of like update it with our, you know, current sensibilities. And he was all about it he's like a he writes for like websites and stuff he writes for gizmodo now i think he's mm-hmm. like on stuff there um so he was excited to get back into screenwriting as well so we found it and we worked on it and then ultimately when we felt it was in a good place we started showing it to people no that's cool i uh, I'm, I'm sure that you had made some changes along the way to adapt it a little bit but uh i like i like that it was this old idea that stuck with you and you kind of remembered it and yeah, kind of like you were waiting for the moment to to pounce on it almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually feel like back then I didn't quite realize it at the time. But, at you know, I didn't have any responsibilities other than like making sure I got to class and, and stuff like um, and it was just this time to really just like come up with ideas and mm-hmm. generate ideas. And now so often when I like need an idea, I actually go back to that time and mm-hmm. I think like, okay, well, what was I working on at that time? And I try to like pull things from the past to see if maybe now, given what I know about the world and my, you know, having had certain experiences now, if I look at an idea again, anew, I can like see it in a new light and whatnot. Um, so I, I actively now do that a lot. Good, good. No, that's cool. And what about with uh, the, so the casting for the movie there, there's, not like a ton of characters in the movie other than some of the, the punk show scenes. Obviously, there's like a shitload of extras, which I noticed you credit a bunch of people recognizable from other projects that Larry Fessenden has been on in some capacity. Um, like uh, the one guy from Your Next was one of the punks at the show or something that he's credited as. And uh, the director, mm-hmm. Ted Gagan from, uh, uh, shit, what was his, his movie with The Haunted House? Uh, we're, um, we're still here yeah uh yeah. so besides the extras the the actual main cast of the movie uh how did you end up choosing some of these characters yeah in, in regards to the punk show what's really cool about living in new york and being part you know part of the indie horror scene is like we're all mm-hmm. friends we all hang out and right right have movie nights together and whatever else um and so when it came time to, you know, like any indie movie, we're like, oh, we need our friends to come be our background. Uh, and so everyone is really cool. Uh, Nick Tucci from Your Next and yes. Ted Gagan and Mike Gingold and a whole host of more awesome people came and uh, supported our punk party scene. But yeah. um, And that's sort of like a, it's, it almost feels punk rock that like you have these other people that are in the movie. It's like. It's, it's like, oh, let's have a punk show. And like, all right, cool. That'd be cool if all of us were in it, you know? Yeah. Um, my dad plays one of the cops that comes in. Oh, that's nice. awesome. I think Ted is, Ted is like wrestling around with my dad in one of the shots. It's very quick. But, oh, that's um, pretty cool. Uh, and then in terms of the main cast, so Jeremy was, who plays the ranger, he yes. was with, with my co-writer because back, you know, in the you know a couple of years before that 
they had both been waiters at a restaurant together. And then after that, Jeremy went on to be in House of Cards and Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. So Jocko, while we were writing the script, Jocko was like, what do you think of Jeremy Home for The Ranger? And then I started watching those shows and I was like, wow, I'm totally obsessed. He's great. He has, he looks like an evil Superman and he has a really strong jawline. And Yeah, yeah. He, he reminds me of um, the guy that does Joe's voice on Family Guy. Oh. Um, uh, the guy, Putty <laughs> right, from I, Seinfeld. I forget his the so actual, he, actor's actual name. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, he was the first person, he was the first actor we showed the script to and then he mm-hmm. was like very into it. And so he was the first person we cast. And then from there, we worked with a casting director to cast all the punks. And I met um, Chloe Levine at South by Southwest in 2017. She was there with The Transfiguration, uh, which is an amazing, awesome vampire movie. And uh, I saw her in it and I was like, wow, she would be such a great Chelsea. And we had a meeting at South by and we clicked and she loved the script and everything. And then uh, the rest of the punks were all cast from the typical, you know, um, casting process. Sure. Sure. Yeah. She is, she is really good too. And I like how the, the way that the characters are sort of offset to where like, like the rest of the kids in their group are such assholes that it, it endears her even more to the audience, I feel yeah. like. And I'm sure that that was kind of intentionally done that they were, at, at, at times it almost feels like they're they're too much over the top of being assholes, but then it's like, well, no, they're like 18-year-old kids on drugs that have never been out in the woods before, so of course they're just right. assholes. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I was dealing with, I was like trying to, um, it was like therapy for me from hanging out with a lot of asshole kids when I was like a teenager, sure. right. uh, you know, but at the same time, they're, they're total assholes, absolutely, but they're also like, there's like endearing parts of them. And I think that that's sure, uh, sure. me trying to find the nuance of, oh, they, these people were such jerks. But at the same time, they, you know, we were all just kids and we didn't know any better. And whatever. Yeah. yeah. We joke around sometimes when we watch movies on like when we watch it go, look, I can't wait for that guy to die in the movie, of course, you know, um, and maybe his death will be satisfying because of what they did. Right. And you're right with the punks at first you're like okay you know when these these kids you know if they if they die or whatever it's going to be satisfying but then when they were spoiler Mm -hmm. alert you know dying i was kind of like yeah a little bit like oh man not not that way because i was like kind of like maybe he should get away or something so you feel a little bit you're right where you give a little bit um understanding with it so it's not just over uh asshole for the sake of being asshole it's asshole because again right they're they're youth and they're exploring but at the same time, each of each one of them has like their own little personal story that you see glimpses of, mm-hmm. and you, and it kind of brings it back full circle a little bit. Right. Yeah, I I really kind of wanted to capture this like early '80s punk movie thing where you get mm-hmm. these characters, um, right. but infuse that with like little a little bit of nuance, a little bit of like sure. oh, but there's something else there like. They had lives before they were on the screen. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, and they, they even kind of get a little bit of the, you know, they're spray painting the trees or he's starting the fire. And she's like, what are you doing? You can't do that. And they're like, why not? I don't I don't understand. Like to right. them, it just seems like what's the difference between spray painting a tree or a building? They don't understand that trees are alive and buildings aren't. So mm-hmm. you know, it's bad for them, obviously. So <laughs> I, I think they, they are such 
dicks, but at the same time, like Marco said, that you have these little things that you get about them, or or just the fact that you don't you don't realize that they don't understand what they're doing is wrong until it's kind of more pointed out at that moment, and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. At yeah, the same yeah, time, well, they're also very disrespectful to Chelsea, and like, oh, you know, your your sad story is stupid and boring, and they don't want to listen mm-hmm. to her. So you're also kind of like, right, well, right. fuck you. You're, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> How are you gonna die? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, it, I mean, it, it is true though that like the, you know, you have the, the the one couple, and they're kind of like they do something that annoys you, but then you're like, oh, but they're kind of cute. You you want to see them be okay, you know, or like the dumb the dumb girl right. that they just keep overdosing her. They're like, oh, this will make it better. We'll just overdose <laughs> her. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is you're in that situation and you're young and you're like, I oh yeah yeah. Everyone's about like they're coming from a world where everyone's about like, Oh, we're like the tough guys, you yeah, know, exactly. but they're not really tough. Like they're all posers for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what's a poser, you know? Yes, so yeah. it, Cause they all think Chelsea's the poser, but you know, right. really the definition of poser. So uh, anyway, that was just, it, we were exploring all those things <laughs> through these yeah. like, you know, fun comic booky type characters. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, even just the fact that it's so colorful and stuff almost puts it into that comic booky feel yeah. with the characters. I'm glad where... you guys brought that up because that's one major thing that I kind of look at some of these movies where, um, where it's I don't want to say MTV-ish, you know, but it's because I grew up in the '80s, so I that's where I go to and uh, more colorful like that. It's not just a dirty, gritty movie like this. You got pink throughout the whole movie. You know, her hair is pink. There's the the cocaine or whatever the drugs are using are pink. It's pink lighting. Mm-hmm. I love that. It just reminds me of, like I said, like the, like the old school uh, Tales from the Crypt comic book kind of stuff, you know, where right. the extreme lighting and, and just shadows for the sake of shadow. That is the coolest visuals. To me, it hits me personally because, again, I grew up in that that kind of time frame. So um, to hear you guys bring up comic book, I'm like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Awesome. Sure, sure. Yeah, and that then... was totally oh, – I wanted – Definitely wanted to embrace that and definitely wanted to have it, you know, have a little bit of like a creep show type of feel to mm-hmm. it um, in that way, for sure. Yeah, sure. And then, of course, I have to mention that now we see that the the uh, young the, the younger version of her is mm-hmm. now a big star in Pet Cemetery. <laughs> I know. It's so cool. Was was she kind of doing was was that any sort of hint of that coming up when you were working with her or no I don't think she was cast in it yet we shot with her in um like the spring of 2017 Mm -hmm. um but certainly by we played Fantasia in Montreal in the summer of 2018 and that's when they were shooting um and they were shooting kind of near Montreal so Jete was able to come to our uh Canadian premiere and she saw the film and loved it. Um, But we were definitely like when we were shooting with her, uh, you know, she has scenes with the ranger and Jeremy Mm -hmm. and I were like, you know, trying to PG what the movie was about with her. Sure, Um, sure. And then when I see Pet Cemetery and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which I mean, she didn't have as much of a part in your movie, but she was awesome in that and she was awesome in Pet Cemetery too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she she has a, such a unique look, and it's funny because I I get lost in character characters of movies sometimes, detaching them from the the actual actor persona. And when I go, I went back to watch the movie again before doing this, and 
was like, why do I know that little girl? What the hell is she from? And I right, literally right, right. just saw Pet Cemetery, and I couldn't put two and two together in my head. And I looked it up and was like, oh, my God, how did I not remember that? <laughs> yeah. But, well, she's, like, amazing to work with. Like, even just the couple scenes I worked with her on, mm-hmm. she was able to bring so much nuance. Um, I was like, wow, this she's talented beyond her years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Child actors nowadays are nothing like they used to be back in the day. Oh. <laughs> they were fucking terrible in the 80s. So. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, I think uh, you you had a good balance of with with these people that are in the movie. Everyone did a good job of of making you hate them, and then also kind of back off on your hatred of them. I felt like it was was mm-hmm. the way that I felt throughout it. And then there's enough balance of sort of fun and and sort of dismay and pain and suffering, and mm-hmm. it, it kind of goes back and forth with a lot of these things. So that I, I like sort of the the uh, topsy turvy tone with it, like that is cool to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about with the, with all the the music and stuff that you guys put in the movie? How did you sort of gather all the stuff? Was it did you seek out certain things? Did you just kind of go through stuff and reach out to people? Yeah, it was really cool because we brought on this music supervisor, Mita Goodwin, who um, was a band promoter in the eighties, okay. and so he was tight with all these punk bands, okay. and he um, started reaching out to his friends and seeing like who would be interested in participating. And then he just um, gave me all these bands and all these albums and was like, okay, all these people are want to be involved. So choose your soundtrack based on this list of albums. And I was like, right. wow. And I couldn't like imagine a better, like a, a cooler situation. Sure, yeah. Like I'm just chilling in my apartment with, you know, with the movie on my computer and trying out different songs and figuring out what makes sense, like pacing wise and what makes sense thematically um, from this whole host of music to choose from. And then also um, uh, Wade McNeil and Andrew Gordon McPherson were our composers uh, and Wade uh, and Andrew started like giving me music to use um, even while we were shooting, like the song that the kids are singing in the van that was like mm-hmm. the first thing that they gave me and they turned that around really fast and then they just started giving me stems and stuff so i nice. was already i didn't use that much temp music so i didn't get too attached to any kind of temp score right. um and then uh yeah when it came time to we found out we were in south by and then we had to like finish the entire movie in a month but because we had all this, <laughs> it went it went pretty it was intense but we got it all together you know, I also feel the music selections that you did throughout you know, when I was watching a film, I felt like that was an added dialogue because the lyrics kind of fed the tone of what was going on, um, especially at the end, um, you know, and during and all that stuff. Was that intentional? Did you pay attention to that or is it more of an energy? No, it was both. Like, okay. I really wanted the music to tell a story and I yeah. wanted to feel like. You know, when you're in, when the punks are in control, you're there, the punks music controls yes. the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And yes. then when they're losing their footing, they kind of go into this more like cinematic um, musical space. And then mm-hmm. when, the, uh, when the ranger's in control, we get into the ranger's musical world. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love, yeah. I said, I, I learned, yeah, I learned that by watching the Sopranos series where the music to, uh, was a very, very important key to uh, foreshadowing or, or just kind of tone of what's going on. So I've, I've trying to take a lot of that in when I watch movies nowadays. Like, is the does the music mean something, or is it just something for you know just to have in the background? So I appreciate that with the Ranger, a hundred percent. Cool. Yes, 
it was really fun to work on that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the ending. So I, I'm always bad about this, but I'll I'll put up a spoiler warning for anyone if if they haven't mm. seen the movie. And I mean, I, I don't feel, I feel like the movie you there's not any huge huge spoilers so much. I would say that we would blow for anyone that they. But if you want to skip ahead five minutes, then I just wanted to ask a little bit about the ending. So yeah, yeah. yeah. The when when we reach to the end where it's just the uh, kind of duel between Chelsea and and the ranger and you know he kind of captures her and he drugs her and the, there's the one uh, I was kind of theorizing during the part when she wakes up and she sees him all in the the animal clothing and he's yeah. naked and howling and stuff and she was obviously super wasted at that time off of the pink drugs I almost felt like that was maybe a hallucination of hers where she was imagining some sort of thing like that or maybe that it was real. Did you intend it to be real or or kind of left up to people's interpretation? Yeah, I like that it can play both ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that there's a few moments in the end that can play both ways for sure. Um, And that one, uh, to me, it really happens. Um, Sure. Uh, and I just was really into like getting into this, like, oh, you thought you knew the ranger and you, there's this whole other side of him. Right. Because yeah. He's yeah, like right. totally, he's a very rep- repressed individual. Yes, so, yeah. and he tells himself, he picks and chooses, uh, things from the world to tell himself. Um, so he picks and chooses things about native American culture and mythology right. to like right. feed, to feed his outlook and to justify his actions right and you know he kind of puts himself up on this pedestal as being someone who's like closer to nature than anybody else so um i thought well what really goes on when the ranger is all alone right i love it yeah (laughs) and he punished like we don't we don't dwell on it but um he he punishes himself too like he's in there scarring if you look closely you can see that there's like a scar on his chest he like scars himself yeah yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's the moment when uh chelsea has the needle to her arm and they're in the kitchen and he's she asks for the needle to do it herself and he's like you want to punish yourself right and it's like that moment like resonates completely for the ranger because he's like oh that's something i relate to that's right. like like that's even more proof that we're connected, that we have this like deeper connection with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, because he secretly punishes himself. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, anyway, all of that was a fun thing to explore. Um, and Definitely. we, we absolutely have this, uh, <laughs> we have a shot with Jeremy. Well, we didn't use it in the film, but we have a much more explicit shot with Jeremy. So we'll see if we ever really. <laughs> One that shows shows a little more of the uh, ding dong, I assume. Exactly. <laughs> Walking instead of crawling. Um, yeah, I, would, yeah. I would be lying if I didn't, if I said that I didn't try to see if, if it did show or not. <laughs> Just I think check. if you closely, you might be able to. <laughs> That's funny. But it was also kind of like our. Silence of the Lambs moment. I, yeah, wanted... so I was just going to say yeah, right, it was right. your Buffalo Bill moment. You know, that was yeah. it. Like all of a sudden it was it went from slasher to like this. Um, I, I, I two two movies popped in my head. It was, you know, Silence of the Lambs, of course, and House of a Thousand Corpses, where right. all of a sudden it went from, you know, that whole 
weirdness to really weird, but in a such amazing way, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but and it makes so much sense, like everything that you were saying about the ranger and his his uh, narcissism or or something like that to make it, it twist the rules to make it all about him and. Right. You know, I did this because this is the way it did. and you kind of explain yourself and you keep repeating yourself over and over. It makes sense to you, you know, yeah. Sure, yeah. Sure. And, and I have, like I said, if we end up doing this as a movie review review um, on our show, Paul, I have such a theory crafted ending, you know, that. I'm oh, sure. nice. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we can. We'll prepare. do it. We'll do it off the air. I, I just want to run it by uh, Jen here, so uh, you know, we'll do it off the air. So spoiler. Right. Keep it spoiled. Uh, and I, I do love the actual ending is is very cathartic. Although, I mean, it's just how tough is that guy? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just won't fucking die. He's just working on adrenaline, man. You know, like... I know. I would be surprised if, <laughs> if he was not dead on the, on the ground after the amount of abuse he took. <laughs> Same, no, but, he... Um, but uh, I mean, for the Ranger, I was really into combining, you know, a mix of the uh michael myers jason Voorhees, like mm -hmm. old like body build oh, yeah 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 the one-liners of freddy krueger <laughs> yeah yeah but but his one-liners were so good especially his quoting the you know like the the forest or the you know the color or the oh yeah the, the, the penal code or whatever for rules, the that penal code yeah. and stuff <laughs> i love it where Especially the one scene where, you know, the guy's foot's caught in a bear trap and, he's, and he says, you have the count of 10 to do this. And then he cuts his own foot off or, or the guy rips his foot off and says, you know, disabled yeah, yeah. people have a 24 hour. <laughs> Just like, that's awesome. That is so brilliant. That's good. Ranger's <laughs> fucked up towards yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and his smile. That dude, you said he, he worked as a waiter. I was like, I would love him as a waiter. I swear that smile is great. I think he's pretty imposing when he's bringing you over your like steak knives. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Be like, is the food okay? Yeah, it's totally fine. I have no complaints. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not, not going cool. to complain at all to you, sir. <laughs> you have a very wide neck. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, and the, sing, he would sing that song. That he sang. Yeah, yes. So he, the reason that we ended up using that song was because um, he was using "Most Beautiful Girl" to get into character, and right. he would just sing it on set. And sometimes he'd like creep up on you and just start whisper singing it to you. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah, that's Very awesome. Uh, the the last thing about the movie I wanted to just just sort of mention was that the special effects that you used were were great, and I I love that yeah. you committed to you know using practical effects and. And a lot of it actually shown too, not just kind of that everything is off screen or aftermath mm -hmm. stuff. Like a lot of, a lot, a lot of pretty gross stuff happens too. Especially the aforementioned uh, removing your property from the premise, right? Uh, bear trap scene <laughs> was pretty, yeah, exactly. pretty awesome. Yeah. Thank you, um, Brian Spears and Pete Gurner were our uh, special effects artists, and Ashley Thomas as well, and they. They've worked on a lot of Glass Eye movies, but they also work on like Marvel TV shows and stuff. And oh, nice. uh, it's always really fun when they drive up in their van with all their body parts and <laughs> it kind of stops production because everyone wants to just like look at and play with the body parts. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes it fun. Yeah. I imagine what it would be like getting pulled over in the van. And like, What's with all the parts back here? Oh, no, we're... We do horror movies. It's uh, yeah, right. Yeah, it's not, it's not real not body parts. <laughs> I don't know. These look pretty goddamn think. real, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were in um, the punk van, which is like a awful piece of a vehicle. It like barely oh, yeah, works. Yeah. 
you're driving in the punk van around upstate New York, coming from one location to going to another at night. <laughs> and we had a Larry Fessen and body in the back seat. <laughs> and we got pulled over and we That's were awesome. Oh my God, don't look in the back seat. Yeah, I will tell you, uh, oh, you're right. I, I will tell you that now I, I refer to my car as the dumb, dumb machine. Nice. It, was it was written. I'm, I swear. I, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I do. Cause it was written on the van and I was just like, that is amazing right there. I'm taking that. So yeah, yeah my car is the dumb, dumb machine. Uh, we at least a lot of references to return of living dead through the car. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. big time. They like, they, the art team definitely pulled from the, um, the convertible. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> it was great. Uh, so, um, as far as this movie, I mean, I know Marco and I both really liked the movie quite yeah, a bit, yeah. and uh, we're kind of looking forward to seeing what other crazy ideas you mm -hmm. have coming up. Is there anything that you are working on that you can can share with anybody, or is there anything? I also like to ask if there's something in in like a perfect hypothetical world that would be like this would be the ideal movie for me it would be to do something about whatever yes well i can't talk too much about it quite yet but i want to make a creepy all-girls school boarding school movie oh, so nice, nice. i have this okay. script and hopefully it'll be moving very soon oh, nice. that's cool is there uh is there like a hypothetical crazy project that you would you would love to take on someday someday i want to direct blockbusters like action horror movies for mm -hmm. sure Oh, nice, nice. Uh, we'll see what like when that happens but that the ultimate goal i even i mean the ranger i wanted it to have even though it's a super low budget movie i wanted it to have this kind of like action element to it so that is really appealing to me and i definitely want to be doing that someday well, sure, the sure. environment is is ripe mm -hmm. <laughs> and the, you know people this horror and is is a thing now i mean yeah. it's always been a thing but it's action very too. Yeah, of course, you know, and it's it's just, you know, cinema today is it's just more popular than ever, I, I feel. And I feel that, you know, like there was a talk, you know, maybe, you know, a few years back of like movie theaters not really being relevant anymore and stuff. But no, nah, not not anymore. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I could see that where, you know, the it's ripe to strike right now on that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Nice. I just want to like make fun movies, like yeah. movies go and you have fun. And if you want to like discover stuff underneath the surface it's there and you can explore mm -hmm. stuff but also you can just have like a fun popcorn experience yep. yeah i appreciate yeah. that so, so much like i said that's that's yeah, what was kind of appealing with the ranger was like this is fun but at the same time i can write a thesis on it i can i, I let's 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 uh let's break this down as far as like you know some some mythos behind it you know yeah sure, sure. uh no I, th I think that's really cool i i'm a big fan of fun movies too usually my yeah. favorite movies of the year always end up being ones that are comedies or something completely ridiculous and mm -hmm. and over the top like another wolf cop or right you know stuff like that so <laughs> so i can appreciate the fun side of this while at the same time having some depth to it as well as is a nice balance uh but i mean overall i just think it was cool to finally have somebody come on to the show to talk about making mm -hmm. a movie that was actually not just a white guy for a change. Right. <laughs> right. Oh no, we we also had a Japanese guy. I can't say all white guys. Right. So <laughs> but but no, it was just cool. I, I think that's another thing that just now I feel there's a great representation of of women not only making movies but also in movies and you know, we really appreciate that you have this great female strong 
lead in this movie and she's mm-hmm. she acts the part really well and she overcomes all these things and and kind of kicks ass at the end of the day to right to exactly. end up being sort of the the champion and i i sort of have a theory too of what um like thinking beyond the movie i like to think that right. she almost kind of becomes the new ranger and and takes over his mantle right <laughs> that would be you know because she's obviously connected with nature now and and also has kind of the street smarts at the same time so yeah, where else she's gonna go right <laughs> that's true that's definitely the feeling that i that i love mm-hmm. that have coming out of the movie because yeah she is connected with nature and she's kind of found this like nuance and this balance um mm-hmm. whereas everyone around her is such like living in these black and white extremes and i think that that's a lot of what our society is going through right now sure because sure. of facebook and us all living in our own echo chambers and fake news or whatever like everything's yeah. an extreme and right. uh i think we all need to just find the balance and the nuance within it sure yeah yeah well it's it's hard to not always judge someone by certain things but at the same time you have to kind of like the kids in this movie like assume that there's something beyond the asshole in in these people that maybe is endearing about them maybe not everybody but some of some people (laughs) (laughs) some people are also just assholes Right, right. So. You got to have that fodder, you know. The, the, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, we're really looking forward to whatever else you work on, whatever else mm-hmm. you have coming up. For sure, we're going to check out. And uh, this, this, like I had said, will be coming out right around the time that this does hit Shutter. So hopefully everyone will go and watch it a bunch of times. And Oh, yeah. And I know that it, it had been, kind of, I talked to you a while back and it had been picked up sort of right after you had started premiering it right but then just didn't really know how long it was going to be till they put it up exactly um and i think i mean i don't know the exact reason but i theorize that they wanted to wait until spring because spring is such a perfect time to show a movie about a killer park ranger that way yeah, when yeah. the woods this memorial day weekend you can be you know wondering if he's right behind you yes <laughs> yes that's perfect. Well, Memorial Day weekend, I'll be running a marathon, so I'll just pretend that he's chasing me. There you go. So. That'll keep you going. I'll be like, oh, no, the ranger is coming to get me. <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll stay away from the pink cocaine the night before. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 won't, um, I won't go outside. I'll just watch it on Shutter. <laughs> perfect. He probably won't visit you at your house. But who yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you eat- Jeremy on Twitter, he's he likes to do the voice of the ranger. So. Oh, nice, very cool, nice. <laughs> uh, if if there's anything that you want to plug as far as for people to keep up with the movie, or is there any way that I know a lot of people like to actually buy physical copies of the movie if those are available? Um, if you wanted yeah. to plug anything as far as that goes, this this would be the time for that. Absolutely. So the sure. Blu-ray and DVD are available on Amazon. If you go to Black Fawn Distribution, um, you, they're our Canadian distributor, but you can also, if you're in the U.S., uh, get their awesome Ranger Blacklist package, which comes with like sunglasses and uh, posters and all sorts of fun stickers and all sorts of cool things. Nice. Um, we also have a Ranger t-shirt, uh, <laughs> and we're going to be bringing more swag making more swag available as we get closer to the shutter premiere um 
but uh, we're online at therangermovie.com that has all this info. And then we're also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all, all the places you would expect us to be. Perfect. Perfect. And if you buy that pack and you get the glasses, will it allow you to see the aliens like in They Live? Definitely. <laughs> all right. Sorry, that was that was the last episode we did was talking about that movie. Yeah. So still have that on the brain. <laughs> Anytime someone mentions sunglasses, that's all I could think of now. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Well, we wouldn't have anything less than that. So cool. Yeah. Maybe that's what the glasses did for him is he could see the evil people and he knew that those kids were evil. Exactly. There were like some they live glasses that he well, had. That's what it was. That's it was. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, I gotta get these kids. <laughs> They're the aliens. <laughs> It's probably, I mean, he is the hero. He, there's a world of the movie where he's the hero. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's. Well, I was rooting for him, actually. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. Well, it's there. like I, I, I definitely have a soft spot for wanting to kill people that pollute in nature. So right. nothing pisses me off more when I'm out running and I see garbage all on the side of the road. And I'm like, what the hell? This is, yeah. where is the ranger when you need him? Right. I with him for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe not kill the people. That might be too extreme. But in your head, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Keep, it, keep it in your head, and you'll be all right. You just, you know, uh, torture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You teach them true. a lesson. That's what exactly. you call it, right? They'll get it next time. Right. That's why. That's why we invented torture. <laughs> oh, humans! What exactly. won't they do? It's only twenty years or, or life. So yes. again, yeah. yeah. Pick and choose. All right. Yeah. Well, if you are not out torturing people for littering and you want to go on to iTunes or Stitcher or whatever and, and subscribe and rate our show, that would help us out. Uh, also, keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram under Who Will Survive Horror Podcast. And I think that that will probably do it for us. Uh, once again, thank you, Jen. Thank it was great so to much. have you come on. Yeah, we, we yeah. really enjoyed uh, talking with you and just kind of learning more about this movie and getting some, some behind the scenes is always fun for us. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. This was so much fun. Yeah, definitely. And we will look forward to whatever comes out next, and we will try to talk to you again when you have more information about the new movie. Awesome. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time.
so my theory is at the end the wolf is the ranger <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one i haven't heard that theory before oh yeah the wolf at the end when he comes she he comes up oh, to her and that. howls and that's the ranger you know kind of like uh Oh yeah, because he was he had like the wolf skin, like, and he was howling when she was yeah. when she was locked up and in the cage, and she wasn't afraid of him. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's so fun. That yeah, was right. on my mind, but I think that that's an amazing interpretation. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that, and then then like what Paul said, then she can carry on that. Maybe not at that location doing the same thing, but of course, always having that spirit animal now. Absolutely, mm-hmm. she is the uh, she is. Maybe has now understood her own nature too. exactly yeah yeah there was a connection when she's when they when he forced her to say we are the same see it she wasn't really lying yeah no that was that is actually have you gotten other <laughs> crazy interpretations that people have made that you're like yeah that's not what i meant but i like that too um the only other thing is that in terms of her killing her, her uncle Mm-hmm. Um, some people are like, it was the ranger who did it. The ranger was standing behind her and he's the one that shot, uh, uh, ah. the, which I'm like, in my mind, it was always her. And she's coming yeah. with that guilt and right, right. Running from it her whole life. And she's coming to terms with the fact that she, you know, it was an accident. It's kind of also like, don't sure. shoot guns, whatever. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, some people yeah. just can't, just don't want to accept the fact that it was a kid that killed the uncle and they're like no it was definitely the ranger standing by <laughs> well i i don't want to take up too much of your time but that theory right there doesn't make sense on the ranger's character because the ranger wants to find the person his his you know uh that connection on it on naturally he doesn't want to force the issue exactly right? he wouldn't want right, to right. kill the uncle just to fake the girl to be that spiritual connection it, it has got to come natural and find and i'm going to find this can, you know, partner in crime or partner in life for something yeah, like that. Yeah, right, so, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And to me, it was like, well, first of all, I read all these like blogs and stuff from real park rangers who are so annoyed <laughs> with campers and hikers who like went oh, places yeah. weren't supposed to go. And like, uh, no matter how many times they were told, don't do that, they like do the thing anyway. So those right. are like <laughs> ranger blogs that I read in, 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 in while writing. And um, so to me, it was just like the ranger uh like dreamed of killing these people and then like for so long it was just bubbling under him and then like mm-hmm. uh he just sees this young girl sh- shoot her uncle and see him like sees him like fall off the thing and whatever and he's like oh, oh my god you were so like y- it so innocently came to you you were just able to do that and he kind of like unleashed a thing and she unleashed a thing in him that allowed right. him to start killing mm-hmm. people and then, then um so he feels like oh wow we're like you're the pure version of this. We're soulmates. But yeah, anyway, yeah. that's my whole yeah. backstory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Infused those characters. But nice. That's awesome. And that's I also awesome. <laughs> talked to um, park rangers and like real park rangers, and they were like, "You understood. <laughs> you understood." <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna go like to like this, and they're gonna have the ranger poster, and they, everybody's gonna yeah, think, right, think right. it's just oh, just respect the ranger and the. Ranger's like, yeah, yeah. Well, if you ever see the movie, <laughs> putting you on warning. Emails. We get a lot of emails from real park rangers who ask for posters to put it up in their offices. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. Really cool.
Penalty, penalty, take, take, take. 